When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of expert information and real chats on all things pregnancy, birth and beyond. Remember, as a podcast listener, you can get 15% off all my online courses at midwifepip.com using the code PODCAST15. Oh, motherhood, you think you're prepared and then it actually happens. And wow, it is a roller coaster. There seems to be a taboo around sharing how we actually feel during motherhood. And it is important we normalize the spectrum of emotions we may feel as we navigate our new roles as mothers. Now this week, I am joined by the wonderful Anna Mathar, a psychotherapist, best-selling author of Mind Over Mother. And amazingly, whilst juggling motherhood, she's also recently published another book, The Little Book of Calm for New Mums. She's passionate about taking therapy out of the therapy room and sharing her own personal and professional experiences to support mums throughout motherhood. And my goodness, we need all the support at this beautifully crazy whirlwind time of our lives. So welcome, Anna, and thank you for coming on to join me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to have you on my podcast. And that's coming out soon. So it's, yeah, great to come on yours. I'm so excited to talk to you, Anna. Genuinely so excited because whenever I like, I love listening to podcasts anyway. Whenever I see your name as a guest, it's like a must listen for me. I always, and I, I genuinely mean this, I always take away something that's genuinely, practically, and emotionally helpful to me wherever I am at that day. So thank you for your incredible wisdom. Oh, thank you. You know, a lot of the the stuff that I share is all kind of it's born out of my therapeutic knowledge and experience, of course, but mostly my own journey, that bumpy journey of motherhood too. It is. Oh, Anna, it is bumpy. Let me tell you about my morning. Go In on. fact, I need to try and not turn this into a PIP therapy session somehow. Um, so we're going to have to time oh, away from that. Bit. <laughs> so this morning we're teething. Teething's always awful, isn't it? 11 month old baby teething. Just come back from a little mini holiday. So all, all chaos. Anyway, 4.50 our day started today. Always delightful to start your day in the middle of the night. Um, and I think my child may have turned into a devil. So we refused to have a new nappy on, but we also refused to leave our comforter in the bedroom. So we then wheedled over our comforter. 
brilliant steps today. We then, as I'm getting all the reusable wipes ready, empty the reusable wipe pot, just throw them everywhere. We then managed to uh, climb up half of our high chair. Apparently my child needs a climbing frame, obviously neglected that uh, essential part of my parenting role. <laughs> and then we have a tantrum because we can't touch the elephant in the lounge. Now the elephant is a picture mounted quite high up on the wall. Um, so it's slightly out of 11 month old reach, which was not acceptable this morning. So all in all, it's been hilarious. Oh my gosh. Sometimes it's like a carry on film, isn't it? Isn't it just it? keeps going and going and going and something else and something else. Do you know what? My day started at, I think it was 5.20 today. So not long after yours. No, it's still the middle day. of the night. It was my husband going for a wee. <laughs> and then I, that was it. My brain turned on. So oh. been up early too, but for not, uh, for not quite as fun or amusing reasons, <laughs> just a mild irritation that kicked my brain off. <laughs> almost worse when it's your husband oh yes now Anna I saw one of your just words or paragraphs of wisdom yesterday that I shared across Instagram and I just wanted to read it out if that's okay to our listeners because I feel like it probably sums up perhaps where we both are this morning and you said and I loved it um maybe it's me feeling like everything needs me and I'm giving everything a sliver of myself and slithers are hard to stomach when you're yearning for a wedge. It's like a cake. Who wants slithers when you can have a hearty wedge? I need to find more ways to get wedges in my life. And I was like, that is that is motherhood, isn't it? Yeah, I love a cake metaphor. It is, isn't it? It's that, it's that sense of being spread too thinly and you want to do everything and you want to do everything well. And you end up just feeling like everyone gets a little bit of you. You never get to kind of just fully immerse or engage in one person, one relationship, one moment, one challenge. And yeah, it's that feeling of just feeling, un I think, uneasy and kind of hungry for, no, to, to just be more of yourself. Mm. I feel sometimes like I'm doing everything badly. You know, like you're doing a bit yeah. of everything, but you're not really doing any of it well. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I definitely, you know, that resonates so much. And I think I have recognized that when I live my life in that way, I think that we, we get the sense that there is no choice, that this mm. is just how it is. And I actually wrote that, um, I wrote that a couple of years ago. It was a post that I wrote a couple of years ago. And I, I was thinking, you know, my kids can't stay at home for long. They need to get out. And I think this might have actually been in the pandemic where we had little little choice to go out. And I just remember thinking, my kids need to go out. They're driving each other mad. We need, we, I'm, I'm happier outside the house. And I started realizing that actually outside of the house, it wasn't that they were happier because we were out. It was because I was, I had to be more focused on them. Mm. I had to, you know, at the park, I have to keep an eye on them. I have to be a lot more present. If we, if I take them swimming, if we, if we're walking through town or walking by road, I have to be more present. Whereas at home, you know, my laptop's kind of, you know, nagging away in the corner of the room, just kind of there and the dishwasher's going off and the tumble dryer's going off and everything is wanting bits of me. So I think I had this light bulb realization that sometimes putting myself in those environments where things feel a little bit more boundaried, I actually feel happier and better. That makes sense, doesn't it? And actually when we want to try and be more present, 
there is no better person than our little ones to look at and role model from because they are the most present individuals. They're not worrying about how they're going to unload the dishwasher and how they're going to make lunch and what's happening for dinner and when's the you know royal mailman going to deliver that parcel that you really need. They're not thinking about all those things that occupy our brain and leave us exhausted. They're just focusing on that toy they're playing with and mummy's eye contact at that moment. And we can, I think there's so much that we can learn from that. And we can feel pushed and pulled in all directions. And we are, and we always will be. But we can find ways. And, and since I've written that post, you know, I've really been trying hard to find ways to put some of those boundaries in because we can do those things. Often we don't have to do all the things that we feel we have to do in the moment that we feel we have to do them. We don't have to do things to the standard that we often feel we have to do them to, or the speed we often feel we have to do them to, or the amount even. So, you know, I think in that light bulb moment of realization that I had that I'm just more, when I'm more focused, I'm happy. How can I bring that inside my home? How can I bring that into those days when I can't really get out and about with the kids for whatever reason? And how can we get more rest when we can't? How can we find space for ourselves when actually, you know, our mind will tell us that we can't? Mm, I love it. I just love hearing you talk because like you say, I could, honestly, if I had a pound for every time I'd said, you know, I'm tired, but I can't rest. I'm tired, but I can't do that. I'd be a multimillionaire in this 11 months of yep. motherhood that I've been yep. in. Like I really, really would. But like you say, it's what, what do we call rest? I think often we feel like rest is us having to cuddle up in bed and be super unproductive rather than doing something that feels restful and is equally recognizing that resting our bodies is a massively productive and important thing to do. Yeah, yeah. it's, you know, rest and sleep are the most important commodities, I think, in our parenting and in our lives, because when we don't sleep well, we know that our brains don't work as quickly. We can, you know, we can't contain our emotions to quite the same extent. We can't process or um, navigate anxieties to the same extent. And, and in early motherhood, you just can't necessarily get the amount of sleep that you need. So how can we get more rest? Mm. And I'm historically a perfectionist and a people pleaser. And I think I started to realize after my second child where I got no sleep, quite how much there was little I could do about the sleep at that point, because he had reflux, there was a lot that I could do about all of the energy and input that I was exhausting myself into perfectionism and people pleasing. You know, so sometimes I think we want sleep, but we need to look at where else in life we're plowing so much of our emotional, mental, physical energy into things that actually we don't need to be doing so. And that can, that, that's a real challenge sometimes of identity, you know, addressing that actually I'm putting so much energy and s throwing away so many yeses in order to please people and attain a certain standard. That's exhausting me to a degree that it doesn't need to be. But it was a challenge of my, my whole identity, really, to, to recognize that and start to, to think, well, how can I put healthier boundaries in and work on my need to please other people how can I work on my self-esteem so that that's less necessary to be engaging those behaviors all the time and you know when I when I work with mums especially in these earlier stages and they're so tired you know sometimes it's just looking at where where might that perfectionism be coming in 
that actually you're doing everything to a level and a degree that is exhausting you? And what might it be like just to, to change that standard and shift that standard? Not necessarily forever, but so that you're able to preserve something now. Mm. And I think often we, we just put ourselves and our essential needs and priorities to the bottom of the pile and actually treat ourselves really unkindly sometimes. And I've definitely had days where I thought, if I treated my little boy today, like I have myself in terms of breakfast being half a pack of biscuits, not worrying about resting, just running myself ragged, um, perhaps not talking kindly to myself. If I'd done that to him, he'd probably been removed today because yeah. I've been really yes. unkind. Yeah. And yet I feel like that's just an okay thing to do day in and day out. Yes. And you think, you know, often even prisoners get mm. fed, like hydrated, they get their movement, they get their rest time, you know, they get the very basics. And how often have we denied ourselves the very mm. basics? And what would that mean if we were to treat our children in that way? You know, it would be neglect. And when I speak about what self-care means for people, or there was a time when I was encouraging people to act in really, just to do really, really small things each day, be it up your water intake, or just take five minutes to sit down and shut your eyes for a little bit of sensory deprivation, because we're so overloaded all the time little restful moments tell your nervous system that you're safe and I said you know what are you what I asked people what were they going to do for self-care and they said I'm going to drink water I'm going to eat lunch and you think wow this is this is what we're viewing as care you know my husband doesn't get out the shower in the morning and go whoa I've engaged in a lovely act of self-care for myself you know for him that, that <laughs> so that's true. a very basic act of self-respect so I think, you know, the self-care stuff that we talk about, that should be extra above and beyond the basics. And I know it's hard and we're juggling new babies and we're in the thick of it, but how can we also, sometimes we need to ask other people to help facilitate us to be able to do those things. And, you know, we might, there have been many times when I thought, well, I, I can't have a shower or I can't, you know, I can't get some breathing space or but actually I've, I've turned down offers of support. I've turned down offers of help because I feel bad or I worry about being a burden. Mm. And I think we can get a little bit more of what we need if we start challenging and choosing to push through, even if it's literally so uncomfortable that we're gritting our teeth and like clenching our butt cheeks when we're like, yes, okay, please. That would be great if you bought me around, or that would be great if like you called me so I could have a bit of a download on the phone to you instead of no I'm fine thank you so there are more of those opportunities there I think if we are willing to push beyond that comfort zone and access them I totally agree and I think often the the kind of societal expectations on us as new mums just don't match the the sort of physical physiological needs of us and our babies the two just don't align anymore and therefore that that support and that help needs to be accessed and able for us to be able to juggle actual just survival and our basic needs and then trying to have that bit of extra real self-care as you say yeah. so Anna how can we how can we as new mums in that early postpartum when things do feel really crazy your whole self has been changed and rewired how can we carve out those bits of time for a little bit of self-care? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 
6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So I think accepting offers of support wherever they are even if it feels like a real challenge of identity and having those conversations with people where you might say, you know, it might be a friend saying, look, I'm here for you. Just call me if you need me. Call me if you want to have like a rant or a rave. And then maybe everything inside of you goes, no, no, it's fine. Don't worry. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to bring you down if I'm feeling grumpy. Um, And what might it be like just to really challenge yourself to push through and maybe even say to them, you know what, you're so kind, but I just literally have this absolute fear of being a burden. If I was to pick up the phone and have a rant on the phone that you, you know, that I'd be burdening you somehow and give that friend or that person or that family member the opportunity to say, you know what, Anna, I, I want to be there for you. You know what, Pip, you can rant to me. You've been there for me. This is just, I want to be there for you now. So it's about sometimes bringing those fears into that conversation so that that other person can, you know, can can address them for you. Because sometimes it is hard to battle with ourselves in that way. Other ways to rest, literally cutting corners. What can you do? What can you not do even? Mm. You know, what are you doing to a certain standard that perhaps you used to love having a house, your house in a certain way and it just feels unattainable at the minute or you recognize that it's taking so much more of your energy and time trying to keep on top of it when everything, you know, in my house, I tidy a room. Five minutes later, I go into another room and that one's a tip as well. So everything in me just wants to follow everyone around and just tidy up. Sometimes I literally have to say to myself, just wait and do it at the end of the day in one chunk. You know, it's things like that. Where are you expending energy? Um, I've also started recently for years. I've been cooking my children food for dinner and then cooking another dinner for myself, and my husband, because he gets home later in, in the evening. And I'm like, why am I why am I doing that? You can hear my kids in the background. It's the end of summer holidays here and <laughs> everyone's uh, patience is and tolerance for each other is fraying <laughs> the so, real uh, the real mum juggle I love yes, it they're not necessarily that quiet downstairs and I'm sure some of the noise will make its way up um, but that's what's going on they are being looked after I haven't just left them downstairs <laughs> um so I think what was I saying about cutting corners you know what what corners can you cut mm-hmm. what is it about batch cooking is it about you know I'm we're going back at the moment to kind of student food you know big just one pot things, big chili con carne, big something, you know, without the chili that everyone can eat. Because at the moment, you know, we're going through a time of transition, um, childcare starting back up again, nursery school. And I just know that there's going to be other stresses. I'm going to be dealing with the all the different emotions when they come back. So how can I make life easier at this time? How can I amend my standard, perhaps having a different dinner each day, cooking different food for the kids to us? And it's just looking at things and thinking, where can I pull back? Where can I strip back just to preserve something of myself? You know, where are your yeses going? Are you saying yes to everything and then actually exhausting yourself? Perhaps you're not saying yes to enough things. So actually you're feeling a bit socially you're feeling a bit lonely so it's just taking a really honest look at things and just looking at where your standards are looking at where some of that guilt sits that perhaps isn't justified Mm -hmm. and just choosing to 
to amend some things and it's hard because often these things are so tied into our identity aren't they you know they are sufficiency are and your identity, literally, like I'm a completely different person since having a baby. My brain's like been rewired. Everything changes. And sometimes just getting comfortable with that can feel a challenge. Yeah. And three of the, the words that you just mentioned that, or maybe two, and then I want to add one that um, I picked up on guilt. Mum guilt is like the most relentless thing that just sits on your shoulder and doesn't let go of you. Loneliness is something that I feel I'd never experienced before until I had a baby. And I was not prepared for the loneliness at times of that early postpartum. And then something that I've heard you speak about a lot before, Anna, and that's overwhelm. Often I feel like my life, and I'm sure lots of mums relate to this, is just the definition of running through overwhelm and that like eventual burnout. And then you kind of get through that burnout and then you're just back in the marathon of overwhelm again. And I think these are emotions that we need to talk about a little bit more and we need to be more open with each other. I feel like we owe it to each other as mums and women going through the same journey to actually start opening up about these things and supporting each other to manage them. Yeah, definitely. I've got I've got little nuggets for each of those. So if we start with guilt, so guilt, yeah. loneliness and overwhelm. So guilt. <laughs> We're taking a mini pause here because I want to share with you some important evidence. Scientists have been looking into the impact of maternal stress on a developing baby in pregnancy and have found that babies are impacted by stress, anxiety, and depression in their mothers. Fascinatingly, it has been found to impact a baby's immune response and is linked to development of conditions such as asthma. To learn more about this link, and to understand ways of managing feelings of stress, head over to www.aptaclub.co.uk forward slash midwife pip. Um, Never let guilt go unaddressed. Mm. You know, I think we talk about guilt a lot. We kind of even joke about guilt. I remember early in motherhood joking with my mum that mum guilt was just, it's a thing now. It's, I'm just going to forever feel guilty. And that is that. But if we don't address guilt, we're likely to engage in some of those really subtle self-punishing behaviors, you know, the not accepting support, because ultimately we feel bad. If we don't address guilt, we often, it often kind of seeps into that shame. I am not good enough. I am not worthy of the love and support of the people around me or even of my children. There'd be times that I felt so guilty that I feel undeserving of the love and affection of my children. So never let guilt go unaddressed because it will then be harder to accept that support. It will be harder to sit down on the sofa in that moment that you have the opportunity or lower that standard when it comes to certain things that you that you do and cut some of those corners. So never let guilt go unaddressed. Is it justified? Would you want a friend or someone that you love to feel guilty about that thing? Or would you want to say, you know what, that's not your fault mm. or you meant well? Or these things happen, you know, what what words would you want to use to soften that guilt for a friend? Because one of the, one of the tips that I love that I created, um, I think it was in one of the lockdowns where there was so much guilt. And I was like, this cannot be my life now. It was just layer, layer upon layer of guilt. And it was ACT, A-C-T, address. What are you feeling guilty about? You know, I'm feeling guilty that I haven't played with my baby enough this week. Like I've just, you know, I've been juggling too much. The emails have been coming in. I've felt really distracted and I feel really guilty about that. Address, you've, you've named it. C, compassion. 
you know, how can we pour compassion into this? Because shame cannot exist in the same place of, that compassion can, that compassion exists. So how can we pour some compassion into this? So we might say, Pip, you've got a lot going on at the minute. And you know what? You're feeling a bit lonely. So of course, you're going to want to engage in work a little bit more to give you that sense of, you know, it might be productivity or just a bit more meaning or efficiency. It feels really good. You know, how can we mix things up a little bit for you? It might be that, you know, you've had, I don't know, your friends have been all off on holiday and stuff and you haven't had enough social interaction and you're just feeling bored. You're just feeling bored of playing and interacting with a baby. You want an adult. So how can we bring some compassion? Then T, the end is tweak. You know, if, if, Guilt is there to prompt you. What might it be prompting you to do? Perhaps it is there to prompt you to put some better boundaries in. Maybe you decide that actually you're going to alleviate the pressure of yourself to always be interacting with your child because that just that's not life. Yes, we need to interact, but actually children need to learn to kind of a bit of self-play and kind of rolling around and finding toys themselves and learning skills. And so how might you just do decide that actually I'm going to do like 20 minutes of focus play a day. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to put everything else away and I'm going to focus on my baby so that you're putting in some boundaries. Maybe you decide to meet up with some friends to kind of alleviate some of the loneliness and the boredom. So, you know, then you've addressed that guilt. It doesn't need to shame you anymore. And if it crops back up, because I often think if you ever taken fish oil tablets and then it like lurches back oh, up and it's like, oh. horrendous. And sometimes like guilt is a bit like that. It kind of is like, you know, it just, it just, like it comes back it like surges back and we need to remind ourselves that we've addressed it it doesn't need to be kind of nagging at us anymore so that's guilt um loneliness I see loneliness as disconnection and I think when we have a baby I don't know about you but I went into it thinking this baby was like gonna be everything you know I was so excited but ultimately a baby is not a substitute for adult interaction it cannot talk to you. It cannot, you know, it's not, it's not like an equal relationship. The baby can't support you. It can be lovely and, and like comforting in many ways and bring you lots of joy. But, but actually you need, you need to be connecting with other people as well. That baby can't tick those boxes. So if you're feeling lonely, are you feeling disconnected with yourself perhaps? You know, are there things that have just really fallen by the wayside that used to be enjoyed, that you used to really enjoy? Maybe friendships and relationships that used to give you a lot that perhaps have just kind of like teeth like petered off in the in the chaos of the newborn months. You know, where might you reconnect, either with yourself or with someone else, even in an online community? You know, just any kind of connection that can be the just be that balm to that feeling of loneliness and disconnection. So if we look at loneliness as disconnection, what, what, how might we be feeling disconnected and what might we need to connect with? And what was the last one? Overwhelm. Overwhelm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the culmination of pushing beyond our, our limits and our boundaries and our resources too much. And it's not a good way to live. It's not a nice way. I've definitely lived on that kind of roller coaster of burnout and it's not, you know, I think we need to start seeing the signs of what what what's happening when we're getting to that burnt out state. So for me, it's like real irritability. It's I do not want to connect with people. I've got, you know, I might get a text from a really good friend of mine or even my mum, and that just feels like too much. You know, and you're like, oh my gosh, now I've got to reply to you. And 
the the things that are meaningful in your life start to feel too heavy um everything just feels too much doesn't it we can feel really emotional we can feel quite low we can feel really reactive so we're not able to kind of contain our emotions and quite in the same way so anger might you know everything might just keep kind of like popping out of us and that's not we don't want to be like that do we it doesn't I don't feel like a good version of myself when I'm like that and the antidote to overwhelm is rest is rest and boundaries and accepting support and again these are often challenges of identity where we need to start believing that we're worthy of accepting these things which is might be challenging a narrative of a lifetime but what an amazing time to challenge that because our children our babies are learning from us so true it is they are literally little sponges aren't they absorbing everything that we do mm. of course we don't want them to experience these emotions it's a terrifying thought though Pip, isn't it isn't you know, it I oh my gosh i don't want my kids to watch me i want them to i want them to do what i say but not what i do but not what i do <laughs> you know the most powerful thing that we can ever do and the biggest gift that we can ever give our children is that we're working on these things in ourselves you know I get so many moms saying how do I not pass my insecurities on to my children I'm like or my anxieties and I say you know it's it's actually addressing them in yourself and showing them those tools and techniques that you're utilizing I loved what you said there about tech from someone that you would usually love to talk to and that just feels like another job so my thing was when I had my baby and I had all these beautiful flowers delivered from like lovely friends and family which usually I would love like filling my house with flowers and I was literally I know what like you're gonna say because I feel it's so hard that's just, exactly it's another thing say. to keep alive isn't it another blooming thing to keep alive I'm trying to keep my baby alive now. I've got to cut the end off I've yeah. got to put the bits, you know, these bits in the bin. I've got to, oh, and then they're just going to sit in the bath and they're just, you know, that's why Steph don't got... buy her flowers. Don't buy her flowers. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes, you know, it does, it's the little things that feel too much. And I think that's also a really good sign for people is when the things that wouldn't normally bother you really bother you. You know, when you, the things that wouldn't normally upset you really start upsetting you. And I, and I, I think of it as like my skin just gets really thin mm. to the world and the noise and the stress and my resilience just drops and you know we I think many of us have learned the narrative that to love is to give ourselves away to love is to keep going keep going and keep giving and and actually love really we can't love very well like we might love our children but when I'm burnt out they don't feel a lot of loving behavior from me so I think I had to really really start to see that like loving and giving and doing to the point of burnout actually stops me from being able to love well yeah yeah Um, and resting and accepting support and being open and honest with people which are often the things that we see or have historically seen as kind of weaknesses those are the things that enable me to love well and to stop comparing I think motherhood is often the time where we fall deep and I've done it. I've done it for sure. We fall deep into that trap of comparison and social media is an incredible place for many reasons. But when it comes to comparison, I think it can be really damaging because that that little grid, that little square is one little snapshot with a filter on and probably the house has just been tidied. It's not the reality. And yet it really feels like it is a reality. I think comparison is a hard one for new mums. It is. And the tighter we are and the more burnt out we are, the less able we are to say to ourselves and do that little lovely coachy friend voice in our head that goes, come on, we know it's not real. You know, everything that you just said then, which is so true and we know it cognitively, 
it's so much harder to access that when mm. we're burnt out and tired. Mm. Of so course. we're more likely to fall into that trap. It's it's a tough it's a toughie, isn't it, Anna? It's such a toughie, which is why I love your your words of wisdom that just oh. seem to make things make sense. I could literally talk to you all day, but I don't want your children to kill themselves <laughs> Same. downstairs. Same. <laughs> so I wonder if you could and it's going to be hard to keep this, to narrow this down, I think, right. because I know you've got so many, but could you throw me three top tips to managing those roller coaster of motherhood emotions? Yeah, three top tips. One is, and follow, name the feeling to yourself, if you can. We don't always know. So sometimes it could be like, I feel there, or I feel angry, I feel lonely, I feel tired. And then say, and that's okay. Because often we follow it up with, I feel lonely, but I should be grateful because blah, blah, blah. But if you just simply say it to yourself, I feel bored and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you then don't do anything about it. It's just a way of stopping yourself going into that comparison spiral. Well, I should feel grateful because so-and-so is having a harder time than me. I should feel, you know, so just that very simple, I feel overwhelmed and that's okay. And then think what you might be able to do to meet and address that feeling or need. That's number one. Number two, take every single opportunity to rest and slow down that comes your way and start noticing them. Because it might just be that you could um, clean the worktops in your kitchen or you could actually just sit down five minutes and reclaim some of yourself and you will get to do that. It's almost like we're banking, you know, with our phone, we wouldn't think if it had no battery and we were going out for the morning, we wouldn't think, oh, it's not worth charging it for 10 minutes because, you know, that'll only give me 5% of battery. That 5% might give you something that you really need, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think we literally, sometimes I imagine that I'm plugging myself into a wall in those moments. I <laughs> love that. When I'm sitting down and I'm like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that this was insignificant if it was my phone and I needed it. So therefore this is not insignificant. So no rest is insignificant. We literally value ourselves less than our mobile phone, yeah, don't we? We literally true. do. It is true. Um, we need to change that. Oh, number three. Oh, it's hard. You're right. It's hard. Kind of never let guilt go and address. So if you feel guilty, go through that act process, ACT, address, compassion, tweak, and you'll start getting in the habit of doing this. And you can do this with friends as well. And you'll notice that similar, similar topics crop up. So once you've done it a few times, it will apply to a few different situations. So never let guilt go unaddressed. Don't let it shame you. Anna, I love it. Thank you so much. I'm always, always in awe of your incredible wisdom and support for mum. So a big thank you for all the work you're doing. And if you are listening and have felt any of the emotions that we've discussed today or any of those other roller coaster that happens in the postpartum, please check out Anna's awesome book that has definitely helped me on my motherhood journey that is linked in the episode description, The Little Book of Calm for New Mums. Thank you, Anna. And I hope you survive the rest of the summer holidays. Oh, thank you, Pip. Nearly there. And I'm so grateful also to everything that you bring and the warm, compassionate, clear way that you deliver everything. It's just so valued and validated in I think a world of kind of overwhelm overwhelming information you you just bring it so beautifully oh thank thanks Anna if you've enjoyed this chat and want to hear more on this topic head over to midwifepip.com 
where you'll find my accompanying blog post with highlights, my thoughts, extra information and additional resources. And remember, leaving a review on my podcast if you've enjoyed listening really does make a huge difference to helping me reach more women with honest, reliable information. So please take a moment to do this because when women support women, amazing things happen. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.